This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the second LTB Coin Q&A. My name is Adam B. Levine. I'm the editor-in-chief of the LTB network and one of the hosts on the Let's Talk Bitcoin show. Today, we're going to be talking about what's happened in the project over the last week, and we're going to be answering your questions. Basically, we... Uh, we saw the release of the counterparty test wallet, and since that happened about four days ago, I've been doing nothing but playing with assets and trying things out and just basically checking out the technology. So I actually would like to do a screen share now and demonstrate some of the basic functionality of the counterparty wallet that we've been able to figure out to people who haven't had a chance to uh, look into it. And really, I, I would encourage you to look into it. We're going to go to the testnet. Here we go. Let me do the screen share. Okay. Here we're looking at my counterparty wallet. So these red ones, this is uh, Bitcoin is represented as red. XCP is represented as green, which is counterparty's currency that's built on top of Bitcoin. And then built on top of counterparty's currency, we have these uh, yellow assets. And these yellow ones are assets that I've created with this address, this one right here, and then I control. Now, these assets down here in blue are assets that somebody else has created or that are owned by another account. So you can see that there's LTB coin test down here in this uh, address number two. And up here, it's yellow because up here it's owned and down here, it's just somebody who is holding it. So there are different things that you can do with different types of uh, things you control. So uh, if you control an asset, then you can send it. You can show the info about it. Uh, let's take a look at that, which then shows you the address that it's owned by, uh, that the actual asset is issued by, the description that was put in for it, how many in total are issued, and then these things, whether it's locked, which means that more units can be created of it. If it's not locked, more units can be created of it. If it's divisible, then you can divide it down to eight decimal places, just like you can with Bitcoin. But if it's not divisible, then that means that every one unit can never be smaller than one. You can't split them. And then the other thing is a callable asset. And a callable asset basically means that you can set a time in, say, a month where the token can be called back to the person who created it for a set price. And there is actually some really interesting reasons why you would want to do this that we're not going to talk about today, but that I think are going to be really interesting moving forward. So that's the info panel. Here's that uh, issue additional panel. It's a very, very simple interface. So really, like I said, the technical challenge here isn't the hard part. The, the challenge that we have is making sure that we set up a good system where this only happens when you know it's supposed to happen. For this morning, I've been getting these uh, failover API uh, errors. I hadn't been getting those until today. We've been playing with this for about three days, like I said. So besides the issue additional, you can transfer ownership to a different address. That's how we're going to get the LTB coin uh, asset proper. One of the developers is currently holding it for us, but at the point that uh, we're ready to take it on onto the mainnet, then we'll have them transfer ownership to an address that we designate. You can lock asset issuance, which again makes it so that you can't uh, issue more and uh, it's irreversible uh, regardless of who owns the asset. You can change the asset description, which is that uh, ltbcoin.com address we have there. I think that you get 48 characters total. So it's not very much, but it's enough to put a short URL that can lead you to a larger set of rules about that particular asset. And then finally, my favorite one and probably the most exciting one is pay dividend, which gives you the ability to... It doesn't seem to be working right now. <laughs> but previously, it had been looking at all, of the, uh, at all of the assets that I controlled in this account which you know would be LTB coin. There's 25,000 of these here, and then there's 100,000 of these votes here and other things like that. So you could take that and you could pay the dividend, not just in Bitcoin or XCP, but you could pay the dividend to LTB coin holders actually in LTB coin. 
So you can get these kind of crazy relationships to start going. And like I said, we're not going to go too far into that, but there are a lot of possibilities. For an asset that you don't own, or rather that you hold some of it, but you don't actually issue it, you get just two options. You can send it, and that's, you know, you I could send a uh, thousand dough to somebody, to any Bitcoin address. There are some other uh, parts of the interface that are kind of neat. This is the buy and sell, which is the decentralized exchange. Uh, we've been able to issue dividends, and we've been able to kind of watch the whole thing work, and it's really slick. And honestly, the worst part about it is that because it uses the testnet, it relies on a very um, slow block time right now. You know, Bitcoin itself is usually somewhere between like seven and 10 minutes per block time, which, which means that when you do an action on counterparty, you have to wait for that action to be embedded into a block before your wallet actually updates and recognizes that that actually happened. So the block time being 10 minutes long in the case of Bitcoin, or even, you know, in the case of the testnet, sometimes as long as 20 or 30 minutes is actually sort of a problem because those long block times means that you simply can't do too much in that interim. So I've been thinking about all of the other blockchains that previously I did not make any sense to me. You know, I really uh, wasn't that interested in something like Litecoin because even though there's this sort of perceived value of having a fast blockchain when it comes to security, in fact, that that is not a real advantage and you just need more confirmations in order to achieve the same thing. But when it comes to building a platform like Counterparty on top of it, really what you're talking about is the speed or the, the the time period that it takes for any action to complete and how long you have to wait for that. So in the case of security, it doesn't matter. But in the case of convenience, it actually matters quite a bit because Litecoin, you know, if it has two minute long block times, then that means that it'll have five more actions that are possible per input that you have per, uh, you know, little piece of Bitcoin there, no matter what the value is of it. Uh, compared to a slower blockchain. So that was an interesting revelation that I had uh, the other night. So anyways, um, that's that's my bit. I'd like to stop talking at this point and uh, open it up. I see we've got a number of people on the call. Feel free to uh, jump in now at any time. I'm going to unmute you there, Daniel, because you were making some noise before. Okay, well, uh, two, two currencies on the free market can't be in equilibrium with one another. So what are, what are you going to do if people figure out that it doesn't make sense to have another currency? Wait, why wouldn't why can't two currencies be in equilibrium with each other on the market? Don't we have a yen and a dollar? That's not a free market. That's a that's a state controlled market with you know legal tender laws and uh, you know taxes. Uh, on a free market, you don't expect that the free market will tend towards monopoly and money. Is that really what you're telling me? That complementary yeah. currencies aren't a thing? Right. Yes, that's correct. Because if you have two currencies that are in equilibrium. If one of them gets bigger and the other one gets smaller, the, the bigger one has gained what actually makes a currency valuable, which is the network of people using it. So consequently, the, the, if, if one currency gets bigger, that's a tendency for getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But isn't that just a tendency of networks to get larger over time? So let me tell you what we're doing here kind of in a nutshell. Um, what we're doing is we're creating a currency that we will not sell at first, that will be treated. This is the equivalent you can think of a store deciding to not accept dollars and to not pay people in dollars, but instead to only pay people in store credit. And then those people who are paid in store credit, you know, it's a limited supply of store credit. It's issued at a fixed schedule that's predictable and long term over time. It's not necessarily about the denomination of the store credit. It's about the it's about the market value of it relative to the supply compared to the things that the store is selling, basically, is what it is. And so if the store is selling valuable things, and the only way to purchase those valuable things is to purchase the thing that, the, that allows you to purchase it, doesn't that 
seem to create a secondary ecosystem on top of the one you're talking about. It's smaller, I, I, albeit. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Adam. If, if it's store credit, what is its denomination in Bitcoin or dollars? Well, but that's the point, is that by making it a separate token unto itself, you let the market value it. You let the market decide what it is. I'm not saying that people are going to get wildly rich with this, and I think that that's the problem that you're having, and I agree with that. I think that, that uh, altcoins that are just like, hey, let's put this out there because it's easy to mine, and therefore we can mine it, and therefore we can sell it and make money, and it's free money for us. I agree. There's no point in that. But what we're talking about here is essentially distributing a token before it is valuable as a way to vest people in our community to make it valuable. And the way that you make it valuable in our community is you create or you consume content that someone has created on our network. So that's how the, you know, 65% or 70% of the reward is going to be given out to people who mine this by producing content that actually is good enough to be published on our network. So isn't that a little different? Well, it's, it's a design flaw if, if you require one, you know, if, if you require some system to only use one currency, because really the value of a currency is the fact that everybody uses it. When you, you're, you're sort of creating a, a walled city, you know, that's, uh, you know, that trying to make yourself separate from, from the rest of the economy. So we need an interface, it sounds like, in order to deal with the rest of the world. Is that right? Well, I mean, if, if you had, I mean, Bitcoin is, is the interface. That's how people interface with one another in an economy is they use money. Yeah, but I, I think we really need a common ground, uh, a currency that's common between everything. Well, I think that Bitcoin serves the purpose of being common between everything. And I guess that's that's the, the fundamental disconnect here between you and I, Daniel, is that I think I am actually trying to build a wall city. I agree with you on that. That is my attempt, is to insulate our value from whatever happens to Bitcoin and instead take it and make our ecosystem entirely about the value that we are creating within it. So actually what's going to happen is that although only Let's Talk Bitcoin will accept LTB coin, for our sponsorships and for the other types of larger products that we sell, we're actually going to be selling these as a separate user-created asset that represent the sponsorship that can be turned in um, in order to redeem the sponsorship. And so someone can buy it for LTB coin from us because that's, how, that's the only way that we will sell it. But someone who buys it from us for LTB coin and then takes it and sells it to somebody else who also has that use, who also would achieve value from being able to have the airtime or the exposure or whatever the piece of value is, they then have the ability to sell it for whatever they want. And the free market, again, gets to value it because someone can buy it from us because you're right. Fewer people will spend LTB coin with us compared to those that would spend Bitcoin with us. But that's okay because we are forcing them into our ecosystem in order to interact with us and then still giving people away so that even if they don't interact with us directly, they can interact with somebody who's interacted with us, buy the token from them, and as long as they uh, follow the, uh, the publishing guidelines in order to you know, qualify to get onto the network, which is, again, all about quality, then they can turn it in too. So they don't have to have bought it from us for LTB coin. It's just that the first person in the chain has to have bought it from us for LTB coin. Yeah, well, and, and Adam, to... What if you yeah. try to sell something that's worth more than the total market cap of LTB coin? You'll have to sell it for Bitcoin. In that, in that instance, I, I, would, I would contend anyway. Well, what, what, um, so the total market cap of LTB coin kind of doesn't matter. I mean, that's really the thing about it is that the only thing that it matters is within our ecosystem. Within our ecosystem, you know, the, the value kind of is irrelevant. 
because we're deriving it. I mean, the way that we're doing this is more of a Dogecoin style approach. We want people to be generous with this token. We want it to be kind of free flowing and plentiful and mostly just power our ecosystem. And then at the point that we're successful and we have, you know, 500,000, millions of followers, whatever, as opposed to the 20,000 followers that we have now, you know, then we can really see where this goes. But that's the point is that by designing it as a deflationary token, you incentivize people to get involved as soon as possible rather than later in the process after it's not so valuable. Because somebody is much more valuable to me as a fan right now when we only have 20,000 fans than they are when we have 2 million fans. You know, and so that's that's the point is that by building in, you said that you can't design monetary flows. And I think that that's probably wrong. I think that you can. You can set up situations where the most logical, where the path of least resistance is to do essentially what we want, which in this case is to deflate. We want the currency to deflate over time because that means that people who achieved it early and helped us early are rewarded for that early effort. Okay, well that, that didn't answer my question. Uh, uh, can can uh, I put in real quick? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, hang on, Matt. I, I, I do, I, hang on, Matt. I, I want to have this conversation with uh, Daniel yeah. real quick and then we can talk, okay? I said, what if you want to sell something that's, that you want to sell for more than the total market cap of LTV coin? That's, that's a problem. Well, what would I want to sell that would be for more of the total market cap of LTV coin? Well, it depends on the total market cap. If the total market cap is, you know, a dollar, then there's probably lots of things that you want to sell for more than that. Well, here's the thing. We're not trying to achieve any sort of targets in dollars or Bitcoin or anything else. The only thing that we're doing is we are auctioning stuff. So it doesn't matter what the price is. It doesn't matter what the conversion is. It only matters that we have more than one person. It actually doesn't even matter that we have more than one person. It just matters we have one person who is willing to bid LTB coin in order to do this, and then they can do whatever they want with it. We don't care. Again, this is an experiment, and I, I completely agree with you. We are disconnected as much as possible from conventional economics as possible because I think that this is a more valuable experiment to do, to do one where we're not necessarily so focused on the outside value, and the outside value might happen. But the point is to enable the flows within our ecosystem, to enable people to, to say, hey, you know, I'd like to edit your piece, give me 10% of the LTB coin you're going to receive from the new distribution in order to you know, do that, and then content gets better for everybody, and everybody you know, gets some kind of value that they wouldn't have had otherwise. I mean, Daniel, you write for free most of the time. If the choice is between having a token that represents the collective network, uh, the collective value of the network that you're writing on versus receiving nothing or versus receiving $100, Frankly, I'd rather the one that is an investment and a stake into the thing that I'm working for. I, I agree. It's just that my point is that if LTV coin doesn't have enough liquidity to do the things that you want to do with it, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't build that in there. You, you know, if, if, I, I don't. My think point is that you're talking about liquidity only in the sense of going from Bitcoin into, uh, you're going from Bitcoin specifically into LTB coin, and I'm telling you that that doesn't really matter. That probably will happen over time because, again, it's deflationary. But in the beginning, there's going to be more LTB coin floating around on a, you know, issued per weekly basis than anything else. Again, it'll be like the early days of Dogecoin. You know, was, were there any liquidity problems there? I really don't think so. And again, it's not a huge community. You just need to have a couple of thousand people who are, you know, actually see the point. And more importantly, you're getting something for free. I think that the getting something for free argument is huge. And it's something that you simply can't do with Bitcoin. There's no possibility where you can be like, all right, well, in order to vest people in our community, we're going to give them some free Bitcoin. Because free Bitcoin doesn't vest them in your community. Free Bitcoin vests them in Bitcoin, but it, you know, but it, it costs you something to get, too, whereas this doesn't cost us anything. 
don't never think that you can get something for free. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole problem that, that people don't understand the economics of this issue. They think they can they can get something for free. Uh, I think that you can get something for free that is free, and has no value. Is that accurate? Oh, okay, sure. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So that's the point: is that I view this as an experiment that starts from zero. You know, we start with no value. I don't care about the value. I, you know, we're not going to sell any of these. We're not going to fundraise. People will sell them on the market because they're going to get some, and inevitably they're going to sell some. But it'll happen in a natural market way, and the value will emerge from the market. And if it doesn't, that's okay too, because again, the point here is we're creating an internal ecosystem that has an interface to deal with the rest of the world, but doesn't have to compete with the rest of the world in its own money. And that's different. With Bitcoin, you're competing with everybody for value in that network. You can only sell something if somebody else demands it. So if you have some free tokens, that does not mean that inevitably you're going to sell some. You can only sell some if somebody else demands it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So my point is is that they start off free and that, okay, so I've used an example before of uh, you could use tokens to bootstrap a wishing well. Okay, so imagine that you come across a wishing well in the forest. And you, you know, and uh, you have a pocket full of gold pennies that could be considered bitcoins or small pieces of bitcoins. You probably wouldn't throw any of those into the wishing well because there's a tangible cost. You had to acquire those from somewhere, and it doesn't coins. You probably wouldn't throw any of those into the wishing well because there's a tangible cost. You had to acquire those from somewhere, and it doesn't make sense. But if there was a dispenser there that was dispensing, you know, quarters and gave out ten quarters per day, then you might, you know, since you're there and there are 10 quarters that are getting given up per day, no matter what happens, you might take all 10 and throw some into the wishing well and then hold on to some or throw them all into the wishing well or whatever. And if it was something that you got enjoyment from, since there's no cost for you, you might go back. And over time, more people might also be attracted by that. And at the point that you stop having the ability for each person to have one token, a market finds a price for it. So are the tokens actually valuable? No, not by themselves, but in the context that they're given and compared to the rest of the things you have, they allow you to do something that otherwise you would not probably have done because it doesn't make economic sense. Does that argument make sense to you? Okay, well, well, I did say that in my article that a, a coin can have, have value if it's required to in, uh, interact with a certain system. But I still say that, that that's a design flaw because that, you know, that, that makes people less connected, you know, r rather than more connected. It's, it's really the most rational situation if everybody uses the same currency. It, you know, it's, 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 like, it's like inventing a new language and requiring people to speak to you in it. I mean, if they really want to talk to you, they'll learn the language, but, you know, you're, you're, still, uh, you're still wasting their time. I think it's much less like that and much more like someone choosing to join a forum or a new community. You sure could join Yahoo. You sure could, you know, go and hang out in the biggest gr group that you could find. But in practice, people like to associate with people who they have things in common with. And again, money is really much the same way. Is that money, Bitcoin doesn't have ideology built into it. If anything, you could argue it has slightly libertarian ideology built into it just because of the decentralized nature. But it doesn't really have ideology built into it. This does. This does. And other currencies that are coming out, you know, I'm working on another project called Permacredits. And again, that's a project where the only way that you can create these new tokens is by donating money to projects that then go on to create profit-making permaculture endeavors. And so I would argue that it makes a lot of sense to take that global permaculture community 
and to wrap around it, essentially give it a token that they can use amongst themselves because it's a network that does not use Bitcoin and has not used Bitcoin because they have uh, stations all over the world and a community where the ethos is basically all the same. All of these people basically agree with each other about what type of projects that permaculture represents. It represents a collective consensus of what value is. And so adding value in that network is different than adding value in the LTB network. And adding value in the LTB network is different than adding value in Bitcoin. But they all do add value. They're just smaller ecosystems. And this is really what we're coming to is that the world that I see moving forward is actually one where there is the very large ecosystem of cryptocurrency. And inside of that, there is the very large ecosystem of Bitcoin. But in that and mixed in around in this giant 3D, you know, like star map looking thing, you have constellations of value that are different communities and different niches and different niches have sub niches. Because again, if, uh, once you start building, you know, LTB coin, what if we want to spin off another coin that represents the more specific value? So really, that's what you're talking about is specificity of value. And I agree with you that it's not fundamentally money. This, these are not currencies necessarily that we're talking about, but they are representations of value. And in my estimation, a representation of value is much the same as money if it functions like money and just does more stuff. Okay, well, can, can I bring up this forum analogy you made? It, it would actually make more sense if everybody knew how to use PPP and didn't create a new identity every time they entered a forum. They would just upload their PGP key. You know, that would make people more connected rather than having separate walled cities. So, I mean, I, I disagree with you that it, it, that it, it's a good thing to have, have separate, you know, identities on each forum. I wasn't saying that it's a good thing to have separate identities on each forum. I was saying that the barrier to entry is much simpler than learning a new language. It, learning a new language is a major feat. And it's a huge investment of time, whereas signing up on a forum is not as simple as, you know, enter your email, enter your thing here. Uh, the multi-wallet, I think, takes care of most of your concerns because the multi-wallet allows you to not have a Satoshi client installation for everything. All you need to do is have one, you know, web wallet that you use a 16-word passphrase to get in or what the heck ever you use with these things. I'm not exactly sure how, how to secure them. But uh, the point is, is that using that, you do not have to have every single client installed for everything. You can have hundreds or thousands of currencies that are all kept within this one thing and you can display them as you like, sort them as you like. And again, there's already rich tools that are available on these platforms that are not available on Bitcoin and there's just no way around that. Creating a barrier to entry that's unnecessary. That's that's yes. sort of my point. Like there's the cost of transferring between different currencies. But what do what do I get from that? What what does it give me to, to create that cost of uh, to create that barrier to entry. What does it give me? That's the question. You know, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to start doing these test auctions where we're selling sponsor spots on this for test uh, LTB coin. And we're going to uh, do also seats on this. Uh, first dibs on seats for the Hangout, because as you see, the Hangout is filled out because this is something where people have questions about it. With these test assets, we're going to just issue these, uh, like a LTB seat is what uh, is what we're calling the other one. And basically, if you have one of these tokens, you'll be able to send in these tokens and, and we'll be able to redeem it for that. You'll have paid some amount of test LTB coin. So I'm aware that all this stuff is petty and trivial, but that's the point, is that you can do petty and trivial stuff here just because it makes things more interesting or it makes things better. And I think that we're going to find that being able to treat things in a more granular way does make them better. And that really, again, is the point here, is trying to take the 
incredibly broad scope that is Bitcoin, where Bitcoin represents the value of the entire Bitcoin network and localize the economy so that we can still interact with Bitcoin and still do everything we want to with Bitcoin. But when people are dealing with us, this is our preferred way to do it. And you get there are advantages for dealing with us in this way over Bitcoin, too. So it's not that it's exclusive. It's that some things are exclusive, but primarily it's incentivized. I mean, I don't think that I get advantages because there's an added layer of complexity for me to interact with you now. That's the point. And also, local localism inherently makes people poorer. So when you talk about you know a localized economy, that that's choosing poverty. See, but you're talking again. You're talking about a localized economy that doesn't have the ability to interface with the outside world, where it's the outside economy against you know everything. Comparatively speaking, anyways, uh, pretty clearly, I don't think we're going to agree on this one, so I don't want to keep pounding you on this, but uh, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, so thanks for putting me on the show. Just a quick analogy, Adam. Just, I mean, I see this very comparable with um, the kind of tokens you get on online games, whether it's Second Life, World of Warcraft. Initially, there were nothing. Eventually, Linden Dollars were, were selling for something. You know, what's the point? On World of Warcraft, they don't even let you sell items. They don't even let you. I don't know if the rules have changed, but you know, they they try and prevent that. Why? Because they want people to actually do stuff. They want people to actually play the game. They don't want people to just buy their way in. And again, the point of um, LTB coin is to get people to do stuff, whether it's participating in just listening or voting or tipping or commenting or even creating content. So this is basically uh, it's going to be kind of a motor for. For LTV coin, and what Daniel Daniel says, what do I get from this? And the answer is, you get a better LTV network because there's more incentive for people to participate, and eventually earn these coins. Which, if everybody participates with the network effort, will become will be worth something eventually. And it's a great way to obviously backwardly compensate everybody who's been bootstrapping the network, just like people have been doing for the past almost a year now. I think that's pretty much it. Just that it allows us to to capture that. And the other thing it lets us do is again, it lets us identify who our stakeholders are in the space. This is something that we haven't talked about yet, but uh, one of the things we, we we're probably going to wind up doing is uh, giving out a test asset that is basically a vote. And so we're going to give it out as a dividend to all the people who are holding LTB coin uh, test, uh, probably in a couple of days. And then we'll set up two addresses, one address that you vote yes to whatever the thing is we're going to vote on, or one of the addresses is you vote no. And since you got these as, uh, they're, they're a dividend. So for every one LTV coin you have, you get one vote for whatever that vote thing is. And if you don't use the vote by the time the vote is over, then it essentially gets pulled back and you don't get to use it at that point. So it's a use it or lose it type of thing. So there's no reason to hoard uh, votes. And the best part about it is that since this is something that we can do kind of arbitrarily, every time we need to vote on something, we can just create a new asset, distribute it as a dividend to all the people who uh, who are currently holding LTB coin, and then the people who are paying attention can vote, yes or no, and the people who aren't paying attention don't have to vote. And again, like it's, it's a way to do this distributed decision-making voting process that lets people vote with their stake it doesn't require people to give up their stake in order to vote because like we did the um, the podcast contest we had everybody send 0. 0.0001 bitcoin for every vote and i kind of knew that people were going to cheap i couldn't figure out a way to do it so that you weren't making it so that it wouldn't be too expensive 
or that you wouldn't be able to to cheat it too easily. And like there's that's an impossible balance. I was really unable to find a way to do that. And I feel like, you know, we had good results anyways. There was one group that really was kind of obviously voting for themselves a lot and they then admitted it at the end of it. But the people who were the most popular in the beginning won at the end. And so I think it worked out pretty well. But the point is, is that we can do it better. We can make it so that it doesn't have to be any choice about making, you know, about paying money in order to vote. It can just be about how many LTB coins you're holding. And then that's another reason to hold LTB coins is because that gives you more voice within our community. I kind of envision it like um, LTB coin is, is like a theme park. So, and our customers are the ones building all the rides. And in order to get the theme park going, we need the first five years to be able to distribute this currency that's fake uh, in the beginning, but it's actually valuable as soon as the network values it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's um, the other thing is that people really are paying us real money right now to advertise on LTB. Something like that is uh, kind of what I'm. So the network is the theme park, and the customers are the rides. Okay. They're the rides. They're the rides and the audience members. Okay. I know. I know it's confusing. <laughs> it's okay. Shall we go to some questions? We had one question from Martin Harrigan, uh, but I'm wondering what would happen to LB, LTB coin if the general network ceased to exist for any reason? If LTB went away before we achieve uh, network synergy that I think is going to happen, then I don't know. The currency would still be out there. Uh, you know, I would be able to transfer the asset to somebody else if somebody else wanted to take it over. Um, and like I said, I hope to divest myself of responsibility of actually managing the distribution process fairly quickly. So I think that if it happened within the first six months and we're going to be successful with this, I don't think it really matters. That, that I guess, is the core thing here is that even if we fail with this with LTB, I think that this model is too good to not work. And so somebody's going to do it. It's just a question of whether or not it's us. Now, yeah. if, if uh, Bitcoin went away, that's another thing that I have been thinking about. Um, you could build Counterparty on top of any other coin that's out there. And uh, if it's very like Bitcoin, then it would be relatively easy to, um, to do it. But if it was unlike Bitcoin, you could still probably do it. And even so, even if we weren't going to use Counterparty, NXT is looking like they can do all the same stuff that uh, Counterparty can, although their assets are a lot more expensive. And there are a couple of other options out there. And again, Ethereum is already out on testnet. So I have to think that regardless of what the venue is that we use to bring this model in, this is a model that makes too much sense not to work. You know, the incentivizing people, the investing stakeholders for their work without having them actually have to invest money into it, I think is a, is a very important model that will be important regardless of if we succeed. Uh, what sorts of votes would we considerably do? I don't really know, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, things like contests uh, are kind of the obvious ones. Decision-making about what the network is going to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if a new show should be included, might be something like that. Again, there there are a variety of ways that we could kind of move forward with this. It just turns it into even more stake. You know, even more the ability to have an impact on what we're doing. So instead of just holding it speculatively, waiting for the uh, network to increase in value, you also get to help guide the network and help make whatever decisions we wind up making. I'm not actually clear on what decisions we would wind up making, but if we were going to switch to a different currency or we could even set it up in such a way so that like we change the rules uh you know and everybody votes on it and if it passes a certain you know like 70 percent threshold or something then i'm not a big fan of voting for stuff that actually matters too much like that but i think it's good as getting a barometer of uh kind of what people are thinking 
And again, votes, although they're not valuable, at the same time, they could be bought. There could be reasons why people would want to, you know, say, hey, don't spend your votes over at that, you know, voting yes or no thing. Give them to me and I'll pay you some, you know, LTB or Bitcoin for them or something like that. So again, by making it into a token, you make it specific. And that's really what we're doing here is that this becomes a token that is specific to every important decision that we have to make. And all of the market forces can then come to bear on that decision for better or worse. How are you going to decentralize your decisions? I think that that's, uh, that's one of the ways is through this voting mechanism. Again, I don't know how much we're going to use it. I don't really know how we're going to decentralize decision making at this point. We've been talking a lot internally about structure and there have been a lot of proposals that have been flying around. And frankly, most of them are too confusing for me to really understand. I'm very open to suggestions for how we should decentralize decision making. Now we're trying out a number of tools with uh, kind of the core group that has seemed to form around uh, this idea and who's been helping me on kind of a more daily basis. So uh, we're kind of trying out some of that stuff. And I figure at whatever point we're actually satisfied with the tool that it's something we're going to use, then we'll open it up broadly. Um, I really want to develop this transparently. And I see the transparency that we're going to bring to this and are bringing to this as being a really core element of helping people trust what we're doing, because there is a lot of trust involved in this with these user created assets especially the first time. So uh, Yeah, so and um, speaking of trust, uh, Tim Swanson on the chat just had a, a, a good idea. Adam is buying my votes. So basically, if he trusts you, you hold his vote, vote coins and you vote, he votes in favor of whatever your decision is. So I had an idea um, that's not super related to this, but I want to share it to, with you because <laughs> I, I think that it's, uh, it's relevant here. Um, yeah, I totally think that that's what's that's what is going to wind up happening. I've been thinking about these ideas applied to uh, to voting systems. And one can imagine an alternative cryptocurrency that is created where each individual has one unit of it. And the unit can be given, but it can never actually be, and it can be sold or whatever, but it's only on a uh, continued approval basis. So essentially, this is a single coin that has the ability to be called back to the owner, either on a time frame, you send it to someone and you attach, you know, it returned to me on this date. Um, and then on the other side of it, uh, you have a panic button that essentially lets you call it back at any time. So what you can do with this is you can, you know, you, you set up a system where people, this is, this is your vote, this is your voice in whatever the application is. And you can have a different type of token for each different type of voice set up in this system. Uh, and so like, let's say that you want to vote for a, a national politician or something like that you can either send your coin to the national politician and then they keep your coin and then that coin acts in the voting process as a weighting on their vote relative to everybody else. And then on the other side of that, um, acts as a, as a weighting. But you can also do things like, uh, what if you don't wanna, you know, you're not paying that much attention and you know, your buddy is paying attention to you, he's a super politics hound and is, you, know, you agree with him on everything. You could just send him your token. But then what if he, and then it gives his vote, which then can go to somebody else, uh, all the weighting of all the votes that he has sitting in his account. And then he can say, okay, well, you know, I really like this particular pundit. You know, I really like uh, Rush Limbaugh or some random person like that. Uh, you know, and so I'm going to send my coin to Rush. And then whoever Rush votes for gets all the weight of all of the people who are voting, who have given their vote to Rush. And then that goes on to the other one. But the, the thing about this is that unlike a conventional voting system where you're locked in for two or four or six years or whatever with your decision, and the decision is probably a bad one in the first place because the choices offered to you aren't great, uh, you, with this option, have the ability at whatever point you get irritated enough with the situation that you care enough to change things. All you do is you press your panic button and it pulls it back. 
And so if that, you know, if Rush Limbaugh had that, that means that not only is the politician's vote, uh, you know, diminished in power, but so is Rush Limbaugh's vote diminished in power. And so is the guy that you lent it to who gave it to Rush Limbaugh. And it goes all the way through the chain of accountability. And you can then take your vote. And instead of having to wait until the next time where until the, the next election where there's an opportunity four years later or whatever, you say, OK, well, instead of just holding on to this, I'm going to give it to the guy who's representing the position that I really agree with right now. And that's important to me right this minute. You have the ability for power and voice to essentially find yeah. the place where it is most appreciated and then to you know, swells of power in people who are representing the thing that is powerful in the moment. But then it goes away after a time. You know, and people go back to whatever they wanted. Like it means that if you represent a bad position, you have so much to lose. And so does everybody who supported you and helped. You know, all these people are essentially bundlers in the system, except they're just trust bundlers instead of uh, or, or, you know, weight bundlers instead of money bundlers. It's a, it's a fascinating idea. But the point is, is that once you start applying these arbitrary token systems to everything, then everything gets crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the next question. Do you ever envision LTB coin to be able to be transacted for real goods of value? Like if I were a merchant, could you see a way for me to accept tokens? Yeah. Yeah, like I view this currency as a token. So if you think about being at a theme park or at an arcade or wherever, you're buying the token. So you're buying the essential access to that value. So, for instance, um, Adam is working on this idea of selling LTB coin seats in this Hangout so that when next week we do um, another podcast, we're going to have seats available, maybe five, maybe four, maybe however many, maybe ten. Um, and then people are going, he's either going to distribute those or sell them or do whatever he needs to to distribute those assets. So he's essentially created value out of nothing. But nothing is because right now he has a forum to talk out his ideas and other people also want that forum. And so he's basically invented his, his own way of making money. But everybody can use this way to make money. I don't know if necessarily I invented this or if it's our own way of making money, but what it is a way of doing is it's a way, I mean like this is like the, the simplest type of smart property we're ever going to see really. People talk about smart property and they think, oh well it has to be a car or something like that. It's not true. It doesn't have to be a car. It just has to be something that has these inherent abilities that are different than like if I sent you a vote in a mail, in the mail, that's different than what I'm doing here. This is about routing. This is, I mean, like there's, it, yeah, these are it, the simplest, yeah, the simplest applications that we're going to see. And again, like that's the thing is that people put value into the economy. Bitcoin isn't valuable except that people are like, okay, well, I'll accept that. That really is the entire value matrix. And there may be arguments in favor of why one money is better than another. But I think that really what, what we find is that people like choices and people like, you know, again, that's something Charlie Lee isn't wrong about when it comes to Litecoin. People do like having options. In that case, I think they have an option that they like because they were able to make more money on it and they viewed more speculative potential. But that still is a valid choice if those are the things that are important to someone. Will you use like band system to allow the community to vet the comments on content, possibly giving proportionate value to comments that rise to the top. Yes, we're definitely talking about different ways to do comment moderation. Um, since we're going to be essentially paying people to comment um, through our proof of commenting model, it is actually kind of important that uh, that it not just be something where trolls can come through and you know just post a million things and we wind up paying them for junking up the website. So uh, user moderation is going to be really important. We're not exactly sure what it looks like now, but we have very much considered 
um, the type of moderation you're talking about, which is essentially like upvoting and downvoting, where you know the more upvote, there are problems with that because uh, you wind up with sock puppeting situations where, oh, well, if all it takes is five upvotes to get something good, then why not just make five accounts on five different IP addresses and come in and upvote the same person? So really, again, we're, we look back at the token on this and we say, okay, well, the token says that this has value. So if somebody thought enough to donate this token, so that really is what I think that we're going to see for upvotes and downvotes is that upvotes and downvotes will be tokens that you send to, you know, you'll send LTB coin to, um, to, uh, you'll send LTB coin, oh gosh, I'm losing my train of thought here. You'll send, you'll send LTB coin to the upvote or the downvote basically. And then based on how it does, you'll probably receive a small portion of how it does. So if you downvote something that everybody else upvotes, then you won't get paid anything. But if you upvote something that everybody else upvotes and it winds up being one of the higher upvoted things, then you might get paid something there. Or you probably would get paid something there because you essentially share in the success and then nobody loses anything for the failure. You just don't gain anything. My name's uh, Daniel Brown. Actually, we spoke several months ago, Adam, uh, when when you were doing your podcast thing. And and yeah, I do. I have my website and, a, and, a, and my podcast now. And my, my question is basically this, and, and I know I'm not the only one out there who creates content and podcasts or whatever, aside from Let's Talk Bitcoin. And I remember last week you were saying, you know, if, if somebody wanted to, to set up a blog and they would just have to like choose a skin from your things and, and start a blog with Let's Talk Bitcoin. Um, what about everyone who's already creating content? Uh, is there any way that we can, aside from just something that, that might eventually be similar to a currency, because I mean, I don't exactly want to migrate my blog. I mean, we just got a brand new website and I love it. Uh, is it still something we can get involved in or are we the type of people that you're saying should create something for ourselves and sort of compete with LTB coin? I think that in the beginning, it probably is going to make sense for you to participate with what we're doing. And to me, what that looks like with what you're talking about, you know, again, like we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to offer a Tumblr-like experience, basically. It's not going to be like that at the beginning, and hopefully Nick doesn't jump on me for saying anything like that because he's the one who has to build it. But, um, but that's the thought is that we want to make it easy for people to just focus on the content. If you've already jumped through the hoops and have your own website, then there's no reason for you to necessarily use our platform in that way. We don't need your traffic. The thing that we think is valuable to you is that the network is going to be really cross-promoting you know internally there's going to be a lot of that and it's going to be like a reblogging thing and there's going to be there are going to be some dynamics that should make it very easy to go viral within our system and that kind of is the point is trying to create a way where because at first we were talking about having like 10 shows and maybe 40 articles a week or something like that but i've re very quickly realized that this is going to scale beyond that really fast um unless we artificially stop it so we're essentially going with um a Huffington Post model, which is that you can start your own thing and then we will essentially, based on how you're doing within our ecosystem, highlight you or feature particular articles of yours and that's how people wind up on the front page is, is what I suspect will happen. So the LTB uh, front page winds up looking a little bit more like Dig than it does right now and kind of winds up being curated in the same way except instead of upvotes or downvotes, you're talking functionally of talking about people actually using this value. Now, if you just didn't want to participate with our system at all, but you still wanted to not invent your own currency, then you, you could just say, you know, we'll accept LTB coin for tips and for sponsorships and for whatever else. And then essentially you can just like we're going to list your things that you have for sale or LTB coin, you know, on the decentralized exchange. 
you can essentially use our ecosystem in much the same way that we use Bitcoin's ecosystem. We don't, we can't create Bitcoin, but people will pay us Bitcoin because they think the thing that we have is valuable. The advertising that you can provide on your space or whatever it is that you're offering to add value, if it has value, will be valuable regardless of the currency that it's in. The thing really with, uh, with LTV coin is that you probably will believe, as I do, that because of the deflationary system that we're setting up here, it has more deflationary potential than Bitcoin does at this point. And so therefore, it makes more sense to bet on the growth of the LTV network rather than on the growth of Bitcoin relative to each, each current size. Because again, when something is big, you know, when, when something is $1,000 or $500, it has a lot less potential to double and triple and you know, quadruple than something that is at a penny. And again, this, this has to do with the amount of value in the system, but subjectively, humans really do respond to those sorts of numbers. I didn't used to believe that. I thought that it was all about logic and stuff like that, because that's kind of how I try to bias, but that's super not how most people do it. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It seems like we can use it as, you know, as a currency or, or accept it or anything like that if we want to, but it might not make sense to, to migrate everything or, or get directly involved uh, if I already have it set up and everything. Yeah, again, it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a part of a larger community to be part of, then I think that it makes a lot of sense to get involved with us. If you're happy with what you're doing and you just also want to accept it as an option, it still adds value to our ecosystem. It still lets you, uh, you know, do what you want with it, essentially lets you uh, be vested in our network, even though you're not formally on it. And uh, I think that there's really no lose scenario there. Do what you want. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Hi, may I say a few words? Yes. <laughs> My name is Julian. Uh, Hi, Julian. I, I uh, don't have yet uh, as many information as you, as many pieces of information as you have already provided. Is there a URL where we can join already, or a main URL which you recommend that we visit? Yes, um, you can visit ltbcoin.com. Because the wallet came out this week, it wound up taking more of my time, so I haven't had a chance to get the blog up. It is still on my list for, I guess today is Saturday. I, I hope to get it done before I leave for the conference on Monday, but it might not happen. Uh, right now, everything is on the forum uh, at ltbcoin.com, and you can read everything, or you can sign up and participate there. And there is, uh, if you get involved now, before we do the formal launch, then everybody who has more than five posts and is not a troll, basically, um, is going to get part of the distribution of the initial LTB coins that go to the community. So uh, there's a reason to get involved sooner rather than later, too. I really like building all these incentives into everything that we do. Then the other thing is going to be the blog, and that'll be the easier place to be where you won't have to crawl through lots of posts. On the forum, just for now, look for the sticky posts, the ones that are uh, marked as announcements at the top, and you should be able to find all the information you need. Thank you. I think you have uh, indicated this website to me already. I am uh, really interested in such a project for several reasons, and one of them is that I want to, to create content and to help uh, many content providers work together in a global software platform that I would like to create. Um, and if they consider uh, a project like LTB, I think uh, that good good things can happen. I, I think the, the two projects uh, can um, feed each other back and help each other. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If you'd like to talk about that, um, if you'd like to talk about that uh, after the call, I, I'd be fine to do that. We're definitely looking for partners, and we're continuing to 
you know, look for developers. The whole project is open source. So, so I think that it's very easy for us to be collaborative if that's something that you're also developing a similar line on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm generally interested in, in improvements in financial services and not only financial services because you you have indicated clearly that there's an ideology behind this, an ideology that uh, I support myself. Uh, and um, along the lines that you speak, uh, you may have heard that some people propose that communities can also use credits instead of money. And of course, we can uh, we can discuss and conf configure these things in um, in quite a few ways, depending on on uh, the goals that, uh, for instance, uh, the LTB uh, community sets. Okay, we have another question. Basically, are we competing with Counterparty, Mastercoin, Next? How are all these kind of, uh, I guess, uh, Metacoin platforms going to interact with each other? Are they going to coexist, or are they going to cease to exist? Uh, LTB Coin is not competing with Mastercoin. It's not competing with Counterparty. It's not competing with anything like that. Um, the only thing that it's going to compete with are coins that come after us, basically and that take on the same sort of network approach where they'll have a community and the community will say, hey, we all think that we're going to create some value here, so let's give ourselves tokens based on this rule set that we create. I think that we'll, we'll, there will be a competition there, but those, those are really our peers. It's, yeah. it's very similar to, you can think of Bitcoin in the context of how we're built right now. Bitcoin is you know, the ground, and then Mastercoin or Counterparty is the road built on top of that. And then LTB coin and permacredits and all these other user-created assets are vehicles of different makes and models and types that then use the road. And so the road is not the car. The road is not the ground. The ground is not the car. None of these things are each other, and yet they all use each other in the ways that they are designed in order to achieve maximum function for the purpose that we're talking about. Obviously, the ground doesn't have to be used for yeah. cars. It can be used for a variety of other things. But that, again, speaks to the versatility of that base uh, platform compared to the later layers. You can't do as much with a road, but you can do yeah. very specific things better with a road. Are the platforms competitors? Uh, yeah, the platforms are competitors, but it's a weird type of competition because what's going to wind up happening is that whoever fails, uh, it's, it's actually not about who fails, it's whoever succeeds is going to be copied. So if, you know, Counterparty doesn't succeed and Mastercoin winds up being the protocol and People still feel like there's, uh, you know, are things offered by Counterparty that aren't offered by Mastercoin. Then I would be shocked if you didn't see a Mastercoin fork that incorporated whatever changes the people who like Counterparty thought should be made, and then is distributed through a different way, not honoring any of the Mastercoin people. So there are, um, there are scenarios like that where uh, success leads to competition that is the most dangerous possible competition you could face simply because they get to start with your best ideas that have worked the best and then improve from there with their own ideas. So it means that competition, means that winning is the first step to losing, basically. Um, and you have to constantly be winning the battle and the best will always be picked because the other option is that the worst, or is that something not the best is picked, which is not ideal in the situation. So you would agree, you would agree that, um, you know, wandering... Everybody's kind of wandering in their own directions on this kind of competitive path right now. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's yeah, what everybody's taking a slightly like. different approach. Everybody has different advantages and different disadvantages. Um, but broadly speaking, we are all rowing in the same direction. And I think that, uh, you know, 
it's interesting within the space right now. You know, people want to win this race, but at the same time, there's not, you know, a lot of aggression. There's not a lot of antipathy towards the competitors. It's really like, hey, what are they doing? Can we learn from what they're doing? Let's not make that same mistake that they made. I think that everybody at this point has now made a mistake that everybody else in the space has tried very hard to learn from. And I think it's good for the ecosystem overall. It means that we're going to wind up with whatever the solution that wins is, is going to be the best solution. And there might be more than one best solution, too. I'm really not convinced anymore that uh, that that one is an answer that is even acceptable in a perfect world. And I think we're building a perfect world. Yeah. Um, okay, so Dan has a, a good question. Um, what do you hope to achieve from this experiment? There are two sides to that. One is for LTB coin, which uh, broadly I hope to stop having to worry about that chicken egg. There's a real problem when you're creating something new, which is that unless you have a lot of money to pour into it, which adds value, then it's hard to take something that has no value and turn it into something that has enough value that people want to give you money for it. And if you take money for it early on, you usually take very little money and give a lot of you know, the end results that you're going to use the money for. So it's really, it's not a good situation unless you have a ton of money that you can spend arbitrarily on things speculatively, you know, without uh, necessarily having a guarantee of a return. So, um, so I hope that we can break that. And I actually think that we probably can. I think that the I think that the paradigm is kind of ripe to be shifted on this one and that it's been a problem for so long because our money systems haven't been able to deal with it. They haven't been able to take this problem and say, "Okay, well we see what the issue is here, let's fix this and do something different." We've had things that have attempted that. We've had PayPal, we've had, you know, Tout, we've had microtransactions that all use the legacy system, but they never actually worked for this because they still have that base level of of cost built into it. So Bitcoin solved that problem. And now we can, because Bitcoin is open source, take the solution to that problem and apply it to everything else. And so really that's that's what we're doing here. And that is what I hope we accomplish is the demonstration that you can take the innovation of Bitcoin, which is this trustless, cheap, almost free, orderless, um, you know, a payment mechanism and apply it to the world and everything in it. And I think that there are a lot of things that will benefit greatly from it. Um, the other side of this is uh, what do I hope to accomplish with this? Um, I'd really like to see, uh, I'd love to see LTB be super successful about this and uh, kind of break a new, you know, break into this new paradigm and just, you know, kind of become one of the big players because we were there first and because we were breaking new ground on this stuff. I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen and sort of, I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it usually seems like first movers um, are not <laughs> the, uh, are not the people who wind up, you know, having the big giganto corporations. But at the same time, I'm not sure that we're trying to create that. I think that we're trying to create something that is not tall, but is wide and uh, and is not deep, but is broad and where there can be individual pockets of depth where individuals decide that that's important to them. But as a whole, it's just about accessibility and it's just about providing that base level of platform for people to express themselves for them to have a community that can actually express back to them. And that, I think, is the difference, is that by using a token like this, and especially using these new voting things or arbitrary assets or things like that, uh, the world can be different. We can do this better. And I think that that's where I'm moving towards, at least. Where are you going to speak about the auction in more detail, then? Oh, yes. Thank you, Rob. So the last thing that we're doing is we're uh, doing this auction. Let me see if the uh, counter wallet is back up yet. Test. Okay. We're looking at uh, the wallet again. You go to the buy and sell menu and you say, I want to buy other asset, LTB seat. 
Uh, we'll get you a seat on this Hangout next time. You put in your highest bid in test XCP or test BTC, and it should let you see what you have on each of your accounts. Um, if you need test assets, go to the ltbcoin.com webpage, and you'll be able to um, and you'll be able to uh, get some free test assets there from either Rotalamus or Matt, uh, who's on this chat. Uh, they have uh, some to give out, and basically we will be auctioning four seats. I want to buy LTB coin seat. I will sell LTB coin test. That is the other thing that you'll be selling. So we'll then hit next. You put in how many LTB coin you are willing to offer um, for the LTB coin seat. So you want one seat and you're willing to pay 100 LTB coin. Okay, based on all of these ones that I still have, you know, I would still have this many after. So you post that. And then you confirm and place order. And it tells you how many blocks it's going to be um, until it expires. So I think 320 blocks is fine. We're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do this auction, I believe we said, on uh, Monday night. But actually, maybe we should save it until Friday. I think that actually we should let people just place their orders until Friday of uh, this week. So that would be Friday the 28th at, uh, let's call it, noon Pacific time. That'll be the cutoff for orders. And so basically you place your order, confirm and place. It pops that up and says that you completed your order. The action takes some time to complete because again, it has to wait for that block to go by. And then uh, I'll be able to see that up here, pending order to sell 100 LTB coin test for one LTB coin seat. And so what's going to happen is we have four of these seats to sell. So at the point that, uh, that the auction ends, we're going to go through and send the uh, four LTB coin seats to the top four bidders, essentially, in LTB coin test. Um, and yes, this is putting an artificial barrier in place, but again, it's just to test this and see exactly how, how difficult it is. Um, real quickly, let's look at the... Uh, this is the history page that I was showing you, and so you can see I had an order that expired here, um, and I, had a, I sent some XCP to somebody earlier, and we issued some quantities of vote here. So you can kind of just see all of the stuff that happens. And there's a lot of stuff that happens at CounterWallet that really is different if you're just used to using Bitcoin. Uh, here's an order match where on the decentralized exchange, um, I had been offering to sell some LTB coin test for test XCP. And somebody sent me 50 XCP for 500 LTB. And that happened while I wasn't even sitting at my thing. Yet I never had my, my coins on an exchange or anything like that. So, you know, the... Uh, there's still some definitely some problems with these uh, early protocols and the early wallets. I haven't had a chance to check out the MasterCoin one yet because it wasn't working. I was trying to check it out last night. But uh, I think that we can do a lot of really cool stuff with this right now. And so uh, this auction is kind of the start of that. So if you'd like to buy a seat on this, well, you know, they're just going to be first come, first serve. Essentially, what you'll do with it is the morning of, um, we'll put up an email address. And anybody who sends us an email address uh, will... Uh, and anybody who sends us an email will essentially send another email back to and say, okay, send your uh, LTB coin seat to this Bitcoin address. Send it to that Bitcoin address, we'll receive it, and then we'll send you the, uh, the invite to the Hangout in exchange. And this is, like I said, our first one. Starting probably in a week or two, we're going to start selling actual sponsor time on this broadcast itself um, to test this concept for LTB coin or LTB coin test, depending on what is out at that point. So it's an exciting time to get involved with uh, LTB coin right now. I think that we're going to probably see a real release date um, in the first weeks of April. And I think that at this point, based on what I'm seeing in the rest of the marketplace, we will be the uh, one of the first uh, assets out there and certainly the first network coin following this model. So I think that that'll give us a lot of early momentum with this. 
And in general, this is going about as well as, as I could imagine it. Um, the only downside has been that I haven't had time to finish the papers because I keep having further ideas and expansions on where I think we're going to go with this. And it's actually kind of hard to codify it already because it keeps changing. So um, there is more news. We're not going to share it with you this week because uh, we're still making sure that it's an idea that we can actually push forward on. But it's very exciting. And uh, I look forward to the next one of these. So thanks, everybody, for coming in. Does everybody, anybody have any last comments or are there any last questions that we haven't had a chance to get to? Just a quick point on the, on, on the actual auction itself, because 320 blocks, it works out of just over two days with a 10-minute 10, 10 block time. So people need to be a bit careful not to bid too soon, or the bid just might expire before the end of the auction. That's a very good point. Uh, that's a very good point. So if you want to um, check that out, you can go to testnet.counterwallet.co, and you can create a wallet there, and then just post your test wallet on the uh, forums. And uh, as so, so what would be a good block time? So should we just say, you know, a thousand blocks, something like that, for now, if you're going to do it immediately? Um, is, is is there a way to change the, the block time? I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I believe there is it. actually. Um, let me pull that up. Or else we could just, or else we could just make the auction last 20, 48 hours, and, and just sort it out that way. You know, you That's announce the point. time to close the auction, and 48 hours before, people can place a bid and problem solved. That's a good point. Yeah, we should just do that. Okay, so just uh, register on the ltbcoin.com forums, and uh, and uh, there will be a thread up there that talks about this auction once we get a little bit closer to it. Um, but that is where we're going with this. We really want to test some of these features. Um, dividends are cool. Uh, again, like I had no idea how cool dividends are, but it's just so easy. It's like uh, you can distribute, uh, a, you know, an amount of uh, of anything of any of these assets to any Bitcoin address, even if the Bitcoin address doesn't use Counterparty yet. Right, because uh, Bitcoin addresses are what Counterparty uses and are what things like LTB coin and permacredits will use. So somebody who just has a basic Satoshi client, you can still send them uh, LTB coin, and then they can still have that for whenever they do upgrade. And there are actually even more cool things than that. But we're going to end it here. So uh, thanks again, everybody, for joining us on the second uh, question and answer, sort of me rambling for an extended period of time about LTB coin show. And... Uh, We'll see you guys next time. Uh, I think the next time is probably going to be a slightly different time. Uh, we've been doing these Saturdays at 9 a.m., and there have been some requests to have one in the afternoon so different people can attend. So we'll, uh, we're probably going to set up a rotating schedule. But thank you very much, everybody.